Well, good morning. Three minutes goes fast when you're having fun. Fantastic. Good morning. Great to see you this morning. Uh, let me add to Pastor Jackie's welcome. If it's your first time here this morning, a special welcome. Uh, we're really glad that you're with us this morning and um, hope that you feel at home with us. My name's Brad. I'm the senior pastor here. And um, yeah, we'd love to get to know you after the service. Uh, stick around for a tea and coffee if you're new in Yarram or new online. G'day in the chat. Um, you may have noticed that we've got our SBC Lock Sport crew in the room with us this morning, and um, for the next little season, they're going to be joining us here in sale uh, and online as well, uh, and there's a note about that in the newsletter, and um, I want to really thank Neil and Helen especially for all the work they've done over the last 14 months down Lock Sport. Maybe it hasn't quite gone to plan as we anticipated, but we're still believing that God's doing something, and we're just taking a pause just to, to pray and, and consider what God is doing and how we might move forward down there. So it's not the end, but we're just, we're just taking some, um, some time to, to consider what God's doing down there and how we might move forward. So be praying for them and, uh, and thank them for, for how they've served so faithfully down there. All right, and we've got kids is back on this morning. And this, yep, fantastic. Hopefully my kids are there and they haven't run away. Uh, we've got Creche on this morning. We've got Youth back on Friday night. We've got Playgroup back on Thursday. Out for lunch back on, not this Wednesday, next, next Wednesday, yeah. Oh, everything's coming back. It's great. It's a good time of year, isn't it? Sun is shining. Summer's finally decided to turn up. It's good. And we're here on the first week of our vision series. And uh, I love this time of year. And I want to read, um, to begin with, from Acts, Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 to 47. So if you've got your Bibles or you want to just check it out on the screen above or below me, that'd be fantastic as well. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. And now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we are your people. This is your church. You are the Lord of this church. And God, we submit and surrender to you this morning afresh. Um, God, we yield ourselves, and we pray that you might help us to see what you see and believe uh, the vision that you have for the church and step into it, have the courage to, to obey and to, to be faithful ourselves like you are faithful to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Any iPhone users in the room this morning? A few people? Hands up if you've been like an iPhone user from the first came. Was sold the, yeah. Yeah. Got the, got the dream sold to you by, um, what was his name? Steve Jobs, not Tim Cook. Yeah, the guy before Steve. The guy before Tim. Steve Jobs. And I remember... I'm the same. I'm just like all in. Uh, I'm not, I've got that sort of personality. Um, 
And I remember each year waiting for Steve Jobs to get up and do the announcement of like, and every year it, it was like he had to um, say how much better it's, you know, 10% thinner and 60% brighter and 80% faster and, you know, all these figures that you're just sort of like, wow, like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds incredible, I must get it. Um, and it, then as the years went on, it was sort of like, it's 10% wider and thicker and slower and um, the things they point to. And I feel like sometimes Vision Sunday can be like this. It's like, um, as a preacher, and how do I um, talk about what God's vision is for his church? And it's not better than last year. <laughs> it's the same vision that's been around for 2,000 years. Uh, God's vision has always been much bigger than what we can comprehend. And so it's not about making that bigger or better or brighter or shinier, but really about reminding us of God's heart for his church, God's heart for his people. Uh, Last year, when we got to Vision Sunday, we talked about the idea of spirit and truth. Uh, And if you were around last year, this time last year, we talked about spirit and truth being like two tracks of the same railway. You know, you've got spirit and truth, and both together. We need the truth of God's word, and we need the presence of God. Um, and we talked about the equally important to the powerful journey that God wants to take us on. And so we get to Vision Sunday again, and we ask, what's the vision, or what are we on about? And so what I want to do this morning is just remind us of what our vision is, why it is that we exist, uh, and what we're hoping to achieve. And I've read Acts chapter 2, because I think that just paints paints a beautiful picture of God's vision for his church. It's like the perfect church. Wouldn't you love to be a part of a church like that? I know I would. It'd be incredible. And that's the vision that God has for his church. And so I want to go through a few things that we have as a vision for our church. And then over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to unpack maybe what's, what some of the direction that we might be going this year looks like. And the first part of our vision is this, is that we are a church of disciple makers. And really, this is centered around the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Um, Jesus had three years of ministry. He died on the cross. He rose again. He had 12 apostles, uh, 11 at this point. And he comes to them, and as he's about to go back up to heaven, this is the charge. This is the Great Commission. This is what uh, I came for, and this is what I'm leaving with you as the mission, as the vision. And it says this, He came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is the vision of the church. It's a universal vision. I don't really believe that churches should have their own visions and try to say, well, we're a church that... that I mean, churches might have different focuses and different strengths, but ultimately the church... God's church, his people, this is the vision and the mission that he has for it, is that we would go and be disciple makers, that we would take the good news to the ends of the earth, that we would tell our family, our neighbor, our friends, our enemies about the love of Jesus, the way it's transformed our life and the way it can transform theirs. If you've been in church for a while, no doubt you've heard this idea before. There are people who don't know the truth and the love and the grace of Jesus And it's up to us to go and make disciples. It's not just up to the pastor or the preacher 
to do this, but it's up to all of us. We all have a part to play in going and making disciples. And you might think, well, I don't know how to disciple someone, Brad. I'm going to tell you right now. I'll give you a quick lesson on how to disciple someone. It's very simple, very simple. Two parts to it. Asking what is God saying and what are you going to do? There's the understanding of God's word, his truth, and there's the obedience to it. And you can use those two ideas to disciple anyone, to disciple yourself, to disciple your kids, to disciple your friends, in groups, uh, people who do know Jesus, people who do. It's the same principle. What is God saying? What will you do? Uh, and if you can use those, that principle and keep it simple and not complicate it, not make it more complex than it needs to be, you will be well on your way to discipling people and encouraging people and helping people grow and doing the same for yourself. And so this is the mission, that each disciple, that's you if you're a believer, would make disciples. That's a big vision. That's a big mission. My heart, uh, one of um, my passions, is that we would not only go and make disciples, but we would make first-generation disciples. I know for me... Um, my granny, who's probably watching online right now, good morning, granny and granddad, um, came to faith when she was 10 years old. And it was because of her decision and people discipling her that I'm here today, that our family's here, that she made a decision and the impact has gone on for generations. And no doubt you might be able to trace when your family uh, came to faith and the impact of the generational decision that some person made. And there are people in this room that have made that decision for their generation and for their family and the impact of the generations to come. Sometimes I think as people who have grown up in Christian homes, and there's a few of us here, we can see people who haven't grown up in Christian homes as a threat to our faith. And we might not say it that explicitly, we might not say it that clearly, but I think sometimes we can be like, oh, are they going to understand? Are they, are they going to live the faith well? Are they going to understand all the truths and obey? And What an opportunity we have as a church to disciple first-generation disciples. What an opportunity we have to see legacy, generations impacted by decisions made by people here. There are probably half the people in this room maybe not quite, that are first-generation disciples, that are going to make impact for years and decades and centuries to come. Grandkids, nieces, nephews, people are going to be impacted for generations because of decisions made. And we have the opportunity to help disciple people, not only that are first-generation, but every person that is, uh, has faith in Jesus. We have the opportunity right in front of us both for the first generation and for the next generation. Part of this vision is that we are church of disciple-makers. The next part of our vision is that we are a church, and this goes hand in hand, for the unchurched, a church for the unchurched. We are not keepers of the aquarium, but we are fishers of men, as Jesus tells us to be, fishers of men. We aim to serve the depths and truths of Scripture, and we will always do that. But we're also called not to become elite, but rather to be changed by the presence of God as we open the word with humility. 
You know, I love preaching and teaching on a Sunday, but that's not enough. It's not enough that you just hear a good sermon every week. And somehow, by God's grace, um, some of you find the way I talk encouraging. But if your reason is, is coming to hear me, and I still don't understand that, I would challenge you, what does God really want from you? Why has God got you here as part of this church, about a part of this community? It's not just to take it in. It's not just to spectate. It's not to observe. But it's to embrace those around you. To develop a real community. To bring in people who don't yet know Jesus. To invite your friends and your family. A truth, a, a church for the unchurched. We're also a church of authentic community. And we call this a church of connect groups. Connect groups are where we can practice authentic community. A chance to ask real questions, to be vulnerable, to show grace, to pray for each other, to celebrate with each other. In a church this size, um, it's pretty rare that you'll find real community on a Sunday morning, like real authentic community. It's just, it's hard to do. There's too many people. There's people you won't know, that won't know you. But it happens in homes like we read in Acts chapter 2. As you open your life up to others around you, shared meals, shared experiences, shared pains, shared joys, this is what community looks like. You know, the bigger we grow, the smaller we have to grow as well. And we are a church of connect groups. We're not just a church with connect groups, but we're a church of connect groups. And if you've found yourself at times feeling like you're not connected and you're not in a connect group, can I encourage you to find a way to get involved in a connect group. Scott and Tamara sitting in the front here would love to chat with you, love to get involved. You can start your own. Uh, you can join one that's already around. Um, but get involved in a connect group. We're a church of generations. We're a church that values the generations to come and has an emphasis on discipling young people through their homes and in weekend ministries. We have a great kids ministry. We've got a great youth ministry. We've got a great young adults ministry, a great play, we've got a great crèche. We've got people that are investing time weekly into our next generation. Because I don't know about you, um, but I came to faith before I was 18. Hands up if you came to faith before you were 18 years old. Yeah. The majority of us. And that tells me, and the stats, um, Barna Research in the States have done this as well, that tells me that uh, the, the importance of generational ministry. There is something about discipling young people, helping young people understand the truth of Jesus, making it relevant for themselves so they own it and then walk with it for the rest of their life. And so we value our generational ministries. If you're passionate about generational ministries, there's always room to serve on a team and, and help be a part of that change help impact the generations to come. We're a church of leaders. People taking responsibility, setting the example. Mentoring, guiding, through words and lived example. I've been, I've been um, in leadership meetings this week. I'm talking to our church council, talking to our ministry leadership team about just setting the example in the things we want to see around on a, on a Sunday, during the week. 
You know, there's new people coming in every week. Let's make sure we take the lead in getting to know them, in introducing ourselves. Let's take the lead in making sure there's room in our services for people to sit. There's always plenty of seats, but sometimes we just like to sit on the edges and leave a big gap in the middle, so it's really hard for someone new to find an easy seat. Let's be leaders and make it easy. Imagine it's your first time. What would make it easy for someone who's their first time to find a seat? Not feel like I have to scooch past these people that have to sit in their seat every Sunday? Where do you park your car? How do you come in? All these sorts of things, like the, the faith that you bring, the expectation that you bring, the attitude that you bring, all these things contribute to how people connect with God and connect with our church. And so we are a church of leaders, setting the example, taking the initiative, being proactive. And all of this results in what might be described as the perfect church, as we read in Acts. Let me read it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, distributed to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What a pure vision of what the church should look like. Good teaching, good fellowship, all the generations, prayer, breaking bread together, meeting in homes, signs and wonders, generosity, cared for the poor, commitment and devotion to the house of God, joy and sincerity, worship and praise. And all of this leads to incredible growth of people coming to know Jesus, which is the vision that Jesus has, that we go and make disciples. This is a vision. This is the church that we aim to be, that we aim towards. And it's not man's vision, it's not my vision, it's God's vision. After all, this is Jesus' church. It's not your church. It's Jesus. We are his bride, fully submitted and honouring him. But as I've been thinking about this day and preaching this message and having acts to these, these verses in mind, which I love to come back to, I couldn't help but be struck by the fact that this is at the end of Acts chapter 2. That something happened before this. And I guess this is maybe where I want to focus our attention for the next season. And it goes hand in hand with what we talked about with spirit and truth last year. Something happened before this, before we get to the end of Acts chapter 2. And we don't have time to read and unpack all of Acts chapter 1 and 2, but let's read a couple of verses in Acts chapter 1. From verse 4, it says, While he was with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel this time? Like, are you... This is, we want you to be powerful. And anyway, if you haven't heard me preach about, about that, it's not really what Jesus came to do. It's still not what he's come to do. Uh, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power. And not 
the kind that you're still dreaming of, a different kind of power, when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, this church that evolves and, and comes to, to be in Acts chapter 2 is a direct result of the presence of God amongst his people. The presence of God amongst his people. And so this phrase, in his presence, is what's been reverberating in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit for this year. That we would be a people in his presence. And as a result, that we would move towards this vision that it would empower us to live the lives and be the people that God desires for us to be. Because otherwise, without the Spirit of God in us, we are just like the local footy club or the RSL or a local school. We're just like any other community group that has good people caring for each other, good friendships. And they're not bad things. They're great things to have. But what sets us apart is his presence amongst us. It's his presence. It's the presence of God that changes, that brings transformation to individuals and to communities. So much so that we see this result in Acts chapter 2. Transformational, miraculous fruit of the Spirit. And so this year we're um, through our leadership, we've been praying and, and asking God, what is it you want us to do? How, where are we going? And we've just had this sense that we are a year pressing into the presence of God and giving people opportunities to meet with God. We'll still focus on teaching and all the things we do. We're not stopping anything else, but we're just focusing our attention on how can we, how can we be marked by the presence of God? And so there's four things that we're going to do this year. One of them is 24-7 prayer. We're going to do more of these 24-7 prayer days and even a week. We're going to have an encounter service once a term where we meet on a Sunday night and just ask God to be amongst us, worship, pray. We're going to have a coffee and classics morning once a term on a Thursday morning where we sing some more traditional songs and invite the presence of God to be amongst us. We're going to have retreat days, and they're going to be um, full days, five, six hours of led prayer retreat, where it'll be off-site. Someone will lead us in a, in a time of solitude and prayer and reflection. And so there's different opportunities for you to press into the presence of God. I'm not asking or expecting you to all come to all these things. That's not the point. But the point is for you to think of people that, oh, I could bring that person to this. They might, because Sunday mornings aren't for everybody. Some people don't fit in our Sunday mornings. They just don't feel like they can come along and for whatever reason. But they might feel comfortable coming to something different and they might connect with the presence of God and have some transformation happen. And so I'd encourage you to check out your Church Centre app. Um, all these events for the whole year are in your Church Centre app. Uh, if you can, there's a category called New in 2024 and you'll be able to see uh, when these things are coming up and how you can get involved, times and days and all that. But all of this is to fuel us for mission, not just to make us feel good. We can have times in the presence of God where it just makes us feel good, and God loves that. But really his heart is that it would empower us 
to be his people and to go to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to go and make disciples. Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The point of this gift of God's presence is to be witnesses. It's to fulfill the Great Commission and, the, and fulfill the vision that Jesus has for his church. So as we look forward to the vision that Jesus has, we don't go without the presence of God. Because without the presence of God, it's, it's pointless, it's useless, it's fruitless. We will wait, we will worship, we will pray, we will be still, and we will give room for the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our gatherings. Even on Sunday mornings, we will try to, to do this more, to give space for the Spirit to, to move, we'll give opportunities for prayer. So I'm challenged to move beyond just a good sermon. I love, you know, it's encouraging. People come, oh, I love the way you preach, brother. Somehow, by God's grace. But to an encounter with God's presence. It's how you encounter the presence through the week, on your drive, as you walk, as you go. It's more than just a Sunday. It's more than just an event. But it's the experience and the presence of God that leads to transformation. You know, we've been preaching through John, and I keep getting reminded of this story, and I think to talk about it last year at the start of the year as well. John 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. She encounters Jesus in the presence of Jesus. There is radical transformation in a moment. She drops a water jar, goes back, tells everyone. She goes from a woman in hiding and shame and embarrassment to a woman of faith, evangelizing, bringing a whole town out. Come and see this Jesus. A moment in his presence changes everything, not just for her, but for so many around her. Later on in Acts chapter 4, you see all through Acts, um, just the boldness and courage and work of the Spirit amongst um, the apostles. And in verse 13, it says, they observed the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized that they were uneducated, untrained men. They were amazed and recognized they had been with Jesus. Sometimes we can just want more knowledge because we think that's what gets us to be a good Christian, but it's the presence of God that changes us, that leads to boldness. You could probably go your life without another sermon, but you can't go on without the presence of God. You need more of his presence. We're not going to stop preaching. We're not going to stop. <laughs> Don't worry about that. But, um, but there are plenty of people who know the Bible really well, but they're still crusty, mean, stingy, selfish, critical, negative people. Maybe you know them too. Not in this church, but I've, I've met some. It's the presence of God that softens someone's heart, makes them be more Christ-like, not more knowledge of the word. That has its place, that has its purpose, but it's the presence of God. So my question is, will you join your faith with me and believe for God's presence to be made real in our sceptical spiritual culture that we live in, that we find ourselves in? where we want more knowledge, but the, the mystical experience of the presence of God is just a bit obscure for our Western culture. Will you believe that 
we might see what God says he will do. Join your faith together. Press in. Humble yourself. Surrender yourself. Yield yourself. We decide not just to spectate and critique, but to humble yourself and lean in. Decide to be in his presence. Make yourself available, expectant, hungry for his spirit to be at work in your life, in our church, in your family, in your workplace, in your schools, in our government, in our world. The presence of God changes things, transforms. Can we take a moment, can we stand and just wait on God now together? The band can come up. And maybe this morning um, you've never even invited God or Jesus into your life. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you just feel that the, the presence of God is here. And you want to make a decision this morning to, to follow him and to commit your life to him. Or I'd love to pray with you. I'll be standing down the front during this last song and I'd love to pray with you if you want to make that decision. Maybe you want to be filled with the Spirit, be marked by his presence. I'd love to pray for you in that as well. But you don't need me to pray for you. You could turn to the person next to you, put them on the spot, say, can you pray for me? And they could pray for you. But maybe just with your eyes closed and your hands stretched out, just in a, sometimes that physical act of our posture enables us to still our hearts and our minds to, to receive from what God has for us. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place to make your presence known and felt in our hearts. God, we don't want to manufacture something. Simply, we want to come and be surrendered to you. To be filled by you. To be transformed and changed. God, without you, we have nothing. But with you, we have all we need. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you might come and fill us again. We pray that this church, this people, might be marked by your presence. That as we walk and talk and share our lives with others, that we might have that testimony of Peter and... Um, the other guy, I've forgotten his name, in Acts where we just, it's just obvious, we've been with Jesus, we've been in the presence of God. There's something that's been changed in us and it's you. So God, during this time of worship and as we take communion together in a moment, God, we surrender again and ask that you would fill us so that we might be filled with joy and wonder, sincerity and generosity. And that people might be changed because of the Spirit of God working in and through us. God, we honour you and we love you. Have your way in it. Have your way. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Come on, let's worship together.